With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Good evening and welcome to the Coffee Clash. This is Marianne Russo. I'd like to say hello to Mae Wilkinson, who is over on the Twitter Tweet Chat. And I'd like to introduce Chuck Wally, who is here um, on the mic with me. He will be co-hosting. Um, I am very, very happy to bring Cindy Nelson from NAMI Mass to the show. Cindy has been a friend to the Coffee Clutch from day one. Whenever I've needed any data, statistics, a resource for a family, uh, she has just been absolutely incredible. And um, tonight we will be featuring NAMI, the National Alliance on Mental Illness. Um, Cindy wears many hats. Uh, she is executive assistant, resource specialist, webmaster, social media relations, and volunteer coordinator for NAMI Massachusetts. So please, welcome. Cindy <laughs> Thanks. How are you? I hear it like that. I'm like, oh, my God, how do I have any time? I'm exhausted just saying it. <laughs> <laughs> oh. uh, well, uh, to start, uh, NAMI started about 30 years ago, a little over 30 years ago, by uh, family members uh, caring for someone with a mental illness. Uh, they started with the principle of providing the education and support to individuals with mental illness and their families that is not provided by the medical and professional mental health community. Uh, it can be hard to imagine, but a lot of individuals with mental illness don't know or don't understand what their diagnosis is or what it means. Most individuals don't get any information other than a diagnosis and family members and other caregivers are also in the same boat since the professional mental health community often doesn't include the family in treatment conferences and decisions and are generally unwilling to take the time to spend informing their patients and or families, uh, patients' family about the mental illness and how to deal with it effectively. Um, I would say in the last decade or so, um, persons in recovery have become strong voices at NAMI. Um, individuals living with mental illness have been there and provide valuable insight into the mental illness recovery process. Uh, family members have benefited from all this insight, and they've, um, they've uh, become strong advocates for more effective treatments, patient rights, and equitable health insurance coverage. Um, NAMI's advocacy has been a major force in maintaining mental health parity, as everybody knows. Um, right, there's absolutely. a federal mental health parity. Um, we're also very strong for maintaining access to effective medications. We're also very much about um, breaking down the, the barriers of stigma um, and establishing a children's mental health system across the nation. Um, we offer free education and support uh, programs throughout the nation, and we also provide uh, resources, uh, printed materials, and also most uh, local and or state and also the national NAMI.org um, have websites 
um, that have plenty of um, reliable and accurate information available for people uh, living with mental illness and family members and even providers and uh, mental health professionals. Um, so uh, people can look at us as being the go-to when it comes to mental health. Oh, um, absolutely. I mean, yeah. This is a very powerful organization. I mean, yeah. whenever there is um, anything, any type of issue going on, um, you know, with legislation or, I mean, really anything you could think of that has to do with mental illness, like the upcoming DSM with the uh, temper dys- uh, dysphoric dysregulation disorder, I mean, NAMI's word carries a lot of weight. Yes. So, um, you know, this is a very, very powerful organization that you're involved with. And, you know, I liked that you brought up the diagnosis because I think that, um, you know, Mental illness is unlike any other type of illness. It's the most difficult to treat, it's the most expensive to treat, and it's very confusing, especially when a parent is getting this for a young child. Yes. Well, the problem is it's very subjective. So it also depends on the individual who is evaluating the loved one uh, with the illness. So depending on that person's life experience and education, and also professional experience, they're going to evaluate someone possibly differently than another person who also evaluates your loved one. So that is very disconcerting um, for people in general. So um, that's one of the reasons why, you know, the DSM, um, the diagnostic, uh, oh, here I go, my brain is breaking up here. (laughs) The manual... (laughs) I, I, we all call it the manual for insurance, basically. The Bible, uh, yep. Yes, the Bible came about was to help uh, formulate um, some basic um, parameters of what um, symptoms had to be present, um, how long they had to be present, um, and then, you know, hopefully we get everybody on the same page. Now, of course, not everybody sees everybody for the length of time that's indicated in well, the DSM the to make the diagnosis. So right. we still haven't made a lot of progress there. But well, you know, you know actually, you know, it, it depends on how you want to look at, at the um, diagnostic um, manual. Because if you look at it for what it is, mm-hmm. which is a tool yes. for doctors to you, to find a code to describe mm-hmm. the disorder. Yes. Um, you know, if you look at it for what it is, it really doesn't affect a parent or an individual. No. Um, because other than that for insurance Correct. or for an IEP accommodations, mm-hmm. it really isn't important. And, no. you know, I think what, what people are finding and the specialists that come on the show, I mean, Chuck, you know we hear it all the time, that the new way of thinking is that, you know, mental illness is a very dimensional type yes. of um, disorder. It's a disorder. is like a spectrum. Mm-hmm. So, you know... I, I tell parents all the time, don't get so hung up on what the diagnosis is. You know, look at the, the behaviors and the presentations. Correct. And we also, yeah, we also say don't get hung up on the labels. Um, you really need to spend more time looking at the symptoms, the behaviors, and uh, other thing, the other presentations of the illness, not the specific label of the illness, because a lot of them have similar symptoms, but there are also some outstanding uh, differences between them. So those are the things you're kind of looking for to determine, um, you know, how to uh, 
you know, treat someone, how to cope with something, how to communicate with someone. I mean, those are the things that are much more important. Right. And, you know, and it's difficult because, as we said, this is a very complex it's a very complex situation when a parent gets this diagnosis, especially mm-hmm. in a child that's severely impaired with yeah. mood disorders, depression. Um, it's so difficult. I mean, the treatments out there really are not that effective. But you offer incredible support for these mm-hmm. families. And yeah. I want to go through that for a while, um, and then we'll go back to, um, you know, more practical um, conversation. But um, the programs that you offer are free, mm-hmm. and... Um, you know, I want yeah. to go through a few of them so that so people know what's out there because I think um, there is such an isolation and there's such fear that you know pa- people parents need to know that you're here for them. So mm-hmm. why don't we start with family to family? What is that? Well, I just want to give just a basic overview because all the programs share sort of a, a common thread, and that is there's a strong network of trained teachers and facilitators. And everyone who participates in the course benefits from the unique wisdom of their own lived experience with the mental illness. Everyone teaching the classes, facilitating the support groups, or making the public presentations has direct lived experience of dealing with the mental illness or caring for the loved one with the mental illness. And they all go through extensive training. So... Um, there are people you can speak with and get support. They um, offer you uh, a chance to listen, um, to be understood. Um, they're very helpful in helping you find resources. Um, and, you know, it, what I could say really is they're very good listeners because they've all we've, we've all been there, I should say. Right, so, and that's important too. Yes. Yeah. Um, so in that vein, they all have that common thread in them. Um, so, yes, Family to Family is a 12-week course uh, for caregivers of individuals with severe mental illnesses, and it discusses the clinical treatment of the illnesses and teaches the knowledge and skills that family members need to cope effectively. And that's really key because they found that um, it, they've actually had the course evaluated and studied, and they found that um, it actually benefited the family member and the individual um, by uh, increasing the effectiveness of the coping skills of the family member, which also helped uh, benefited the recovery of the individual living with the mental illness. So, yeah, I, you um, know, and I agree. I think it probably is one of the most important things. Mm-hmm. for parents to do when they get that diagnosis, no matter what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, you, know, the, these, um, you know, these groups are just invaluable. Yes. And, you know, the Family to Family course offers, um, you know, the resources, insights, um, teaches coping skills and communication skills, and offers genuine support for families. Um, the class participants leave with the knowledge they need to navigate the mental health system, which, we, as we know, pretty much everywhere is quite fragmented. Right. Um, the programs are taught by family members who have lived the journey and can relate on a personal level to those who are seeking the knowledge and comfort in the class. So um, it's very easy to find a class. Um, the NAMI.org has a... Uh, website, it's nami.org forward slash F2F. 
um, and people can find a class near them. Um, and uh, I highly recommend that people take it, whether they're going through a first episode or whether they've been dealing with this for more than 10 years. The class will still benefit them. Right, because the coping skills for the parent are key to the success of the treating the child. Yes. There's just no doubt about it. Yes. So, um, you know, this you know, it, it's it's something so needed, and it's something that you know NAMI does beautifully. Um, mm-hmm. You also offer the children's challenging behavior one day workshop, which well, you know a, a I think NAMI any parent math. that has a raging child. Yeah, that's a NAMI math course, um, mm-hmm. and yes, we do offer that. Um, what NAMI uh, does in general offer uh, in most of the states is a NAMI Basics, which is um, a longer version of the course. It's mm-hmm. uh, for parents and caregivers of children and, um, and adolescents living with illness, and these for, are for the um, individuals who develop the symptoms prior to age 13. Um, and I know a lot of people have difficulty understanding that children can develop mental illness at such a young age, but we Not already know audience. up to half <laughs> of individuals have developed symptoms by age 14, and three-quarters of them have developed it by age 25. So the earlier you can identify someone and have them into treatment, the better the outcome is for the individual living with the illness. Right. So and, the basics uh, is just for um, dealing with the younger um, person living with a mental illness. But that is a I newer so- course. And I think something important is that, you know, like we say, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree, that, you know, a lot of times the parents, they may not have problems to the degree of the child for whatever reason, Um, but, you know, it's important also for the parents to learn um, skills and identify whatever issues they may have as well. Yes, yes. Um, And in that vein, we also have a course uh, that's a two-hour in-service program for parents and teachers as allies. Um, which helps school professionals identify the early warning signs of early onset mental illnesses in children and adolescents in schools. Um, this is a really new course. It focuses on a specific age-related symptoms of mental illnesses in youth, um, how best to intervene and um, share the lived experiences of the in, uh, experiences with the families, um, and also what you know is I think. That one's called Parents and Teachers as Allies, and that's yeah, a really that's new course. But, you know, I think it's going to be a good one because I think obviously... That should be in every school. Yes, I agree. <laughs> I agree. That's a, um, you know, that is one that um, I think is one of those things where I think every uh, SPED pack needs to work on getting into every school. Um, because I think educating educating these children is just so difficult. Because yes. you know, as we're going to discuss discuss later, there's the stigma that mm-hmm. oftentimes parents have shame or they're embarrassed so that they don't um, seek the help for the children that they need. Yeah. And um, you know, a lot of the schools just um, you know think that discipline is the way to go, and it's not discipline; it's treatment. So yeah. uh, something like yeah. this is just going to be incredible. Yeah. Um, so tell us about um, a few more. Okay, well, um, the other one we have, a couple other ones we have is a peer-to-peer program, which is a uh, program for people who are living with a serious mental illness who are interested in establishing and maintaining a wellness in the recovery. And this is also a relatively new course. It consists of 10 two-hour units 
um, and is taught by a team of um, trained mentors, and the mentors are trained in an intensive three-day training session. Um, they are, and a volunteer support person who is also someone who's personally lived well with a mental illness. Um, the course participants uh, come away with a lot of resource materials, um, as well as an advanced directive, a relapse prevention plan, which is very important, uh, which helps identify uh, their telltale feelings, their thoughts, behavior or events that may warn of impending relapse, and uh, helps to organize you know, a plan for intervention. Um, they also develop some mindfulness exercises for them to help focus and calm their thinking. And then they also have uh, some survival skills that they have uh, can continue working on uh, with providers and uh, just you know, uh, and in the general public um, to help them maintain their wellness. And yeah, this one also listening. looks like a really good course. We don't have it in mass yet, but um, we're okay. thinking of uh, getting that. You know, I was just going to say to someone who's just starting out on this journey, mm-hmm. that's listening to these programs, mm-hmm. and they all seem very nice. Mm-hmm. What I would say is they are incredible mm-hmm. because these are the things that parents need. It's almost like you you need to have your toolbox. Yeah, you need to you be so proactive. You mm-hmm. need to have your emergency responders aware of um, a problem in the home. Yep. Um, you know, j- j- like everything else you said, and it's just it's so important. And most people just don't even think to do it because they think they're just so wrapped up in the chaos that their lives are yeah. in. And yep. um, in, in talking about the chaos, because anyone that has a child with mental illness knows that one small child can really make an entire home dysfunctional, and yep. the siblings suffer terribly. Mm-hmm. So do you have anything for siblings? Um, they don't at this point, but um, obviously the uh, siblings can participate in the family support groups. Um, they have to be, I believe, age 14 uh, and older, but they can. They also can participate if they're age 14 and older in the family education program. Um, so they can attend family to family if they're age 14. Um, the uh, family support groups are uh, again another great. You know, meets at least monthly. Some of them meet more often, um, and they provide um, you know understanding, comfort, and help for family members and friends. Um, who are, you know, the caregivers of someone with a severe mental illness. And a lot of people find um, it very helpful to um, get a resource, you know, to find out if what they're doing is right or wrong, you know, to kind of like, you know, and also is a chance to vent without um, uh, hurting anyone's feelings because they're in a safe environment uh, with people who are not going to judge them, who are going to also understand how that feels because they've probably also been there too. Um, so a support group um, I highly recommend for helping to maintain people's stress levels. Um, also is a mini respite, uh, you know, for people mm-hmm. um, because it, a lot of times it's hard to get uh, a respite essentially for yourself, um, especially if you're going through um, crisis or chronic episodes. Um, and a support group can offer that brief respite for a caregiver. And, you know, and I think that's important to mention because it is almost impossible to get respite. It really mm-hmm. is. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm so glad that the um, diagnostic manual is changing because 
right now children are diagnosed with the same criteria as adults, and it mm-hmm. is wrong, wrong, wrong. Yeah. Children are chronic. It's a chronic state of agitation, irritability, and parents do not get a break. There aren't weeks of calm or, you know, weeks of, you know, depression and then mania. It is not like that. And, mm-hmm. um you know, taking care of yourselves is so important. The respite is so important. And also, for um, since you don't um, have a program for children, uh, for siblings, I just want to throw out there that there is Sib Shops. Mm-hmm. That if you're a parent yes. listening, yes. Um, you know, check out And they're out available pretty much everywhere. Yes, yes. Yeah. Um, you know, also, um, you know, were there any other programs you wanted to go through? Because I was going to ask you about um, the work that you're doing with the legislature. Mm-hmm. Because... Um, you know, it's it's not a secret that the um, state of mental health care for children in this country is a disgrace. Yes. I mean, well, it's just... the adult mental health is not in a whole lot better shape, believe true. me. True. Absolutely. <laughs> it's been decimated Absolutely. in some states this year, believe me. We've, we've seen it. <laughs> right. Um, so what work is NAMI doing um, to, you know, try to, to put a dent in this problem? Mm-hmm. Well... Um, they have a wonderful, just you know, at the federal level, they have a fantastic legislative action center, and they are fantastic about sending out action alerts um, on key issues. The one most recent one, of course, um, being the Social Security and Medicaid cuts, um, because they really don't. Most people with severe mental illness um, are uh, can be. Um, dependent on one or both of those for um, existence, especially as an adult, but even some children are um, dependent on it for health coverage. Um, So any cuts to that could have a severe impact on the kinds of services they will be able to access um, or even possibly how they're going to pay for them. Um, So uh, NAMI has, uh, like in the last couple of weeks that I know of, it. has been sending out these alerts, and they're very easy to manage, meaning um, you put in your zip code. It's very easy to uh, send off a letter to your uh, state or local congressman and say, look, this is how this is going to impact me or my son or daughter, and, um, you know, I don't want you to do this, you know. Um, And I've heard that we've had a tremendous response in Congress, um, and, in fact, I think they were even surprised that there was such a response. Um, mm-hmm. And that's also happened at the state level. Uh, in Massachusetts, we actually bucked the national trend um, in that we actually increased our mental health budget on the state level um, by about $20 million over last year, which is like unheard of because everybody else has taken um, a big cut, uh, percentage right. cuts for the most part. So um, in Massachusetts, we've been lucky that way because we were also very active. Um, So NAMI is very active and um, is very much um, advocating for the um, health safety net, the mental health safety net, um, and making sure that there's access to adequate, effective treatment for people because um, it's, you know, mental health has to be treated just like any other um, physical health condition. And it can't be the... Um, orphan that that gets left out in the cold. Absolutely. Um, so I well. always say take take the mental out of mental illness, and you have an illness. I That's mean, right. It, this is an illness, yes. and it's a shame. It really yes. is a shame because it's the stigma, 
Yeah. And, you know, talking about the cuts, you know, thank God there weren't huge cuts and that, you know, you had some gains because there there have been so many cuts to the mental health care system mm-hmm. way before the economic problems in this country yes. that if there were any more cuts, it just would have been catastrophic. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, no. I'm, in some states, the uh, unfortunately, the jail and prison population uh, is, you know, are the largest uh, mental health centers in the state. Uh, which is really a sad statement on our, you know, how we take care of the most vulnerable people. Um, right. And the state-run uh, facilities are, you know. Well, they're being closed uh, in our state. So well, they <laughs> I don't be. know what they are everywhere else, but in Massachusetts they're disappearing. So they that's why I'm saying they it's, yeah. So, and, you, you know, know that, we're trying that to increase the to... community services. Right. And, you know, that leads to, um, you know, I wanted to discuss with you, you know, parents do um, come up oftentimes to the point where they cannot manage the child at home. And I know that next year, I was supposed to go this year, I wasn't able to go, but next year I'll be um, joining um, a few doctors and a few parents and going down to Washington and being a voice for the parents and their mm-hmm. needs. Um, because really, for private care, it is astronomical. Yeah. Um, you know, there are. You know, if you have health insurance, you can get into um, you know some better hospitals. But I mean, parents do not really have great options when they have a child that they cannot manage. Yeah. So you know, what would your recommendations be for a, a family like that? Well, I'll tell you sometimes what we what we tell some people in Massachusetts that, um, and in fact, this is. It's an unfortunate joke, but sometimes what we tell them is MassHealth, our Medicaid system in Mass, provides the best coverage for children in Massachusetts. And it came about because of a lawsuit, um, because the children were stuck, uh, what they call stuck in the inpatient units, because there was um, little to no outpatient and community services available. So no new children could enter the mental health system because all the kids inpatient could not leave the system because there was no place for them to be an outpatient. So a group of parents, uh, you know, did a um, agreed to have their children become part of a class action lawsuit against um, the Mass Medicaid and um, won the lawsuit, and the state was forced to come up with a what they call a children's mental health child's uh, mental health be, uh, behavioral health initiative is what they call it CBHI, and it is quite ca- comprehensive in providing wraparound services. Now the ideal situation would be to get um, private insurance to offer the comparable services, but right. it's not mandatory. Um, and that's what we have to work on our legislators yet saying you really should be you should be able to offer the same level of services to people who um can't afford it at all um and need it to those people who have difficulty affording it um and would be destitute if they tried to pay for everything well um, that's what it comes down to it's the middle yeah. class families um the working families um, that have health insurance that are hit the hardest. Yes, yes. Because you know, a lot of times, you know, it's it's it, it's just it's a shame, and the the cost of residential um, you know treatment for 
you know, a private facility could could run you one hundred and fifty, one hundred and seventy thousand dollars for the year. Yeah, yeah. It's, and it's like just, I said, it's in Massachusetts, unaffordable. yeah, that's covered and under our Mass Health, the CBHI. So I said it's like it's like a luxury thing, a luxury, and that's why we. There's a joke to some people. You know, you should quit your job and have your child yes. go on Mass Health. Families do. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah, you know, because it's, uh, it's it is a shame because it's, it affords the best coverage for their children, um, and, and it I think shouldn't no have one, to be that way. And I think no one is more frustrated than the pediatric psychiatrists. Yes, yes, which um, are also too far, too ma- too few. As it's the same with um, the child psychiatrists and psychologists. Right, they're just overburdened, mm-hmm. and um, you know. It's. I, I know they're very honest about it. That you know mm-hmm. the, the system is not working. It needs to change, and they're doing the best they can. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I wanted to go on and start talking a bit about um, stigma, because mm-hmm. I know that that is really a lot of what um, NAMI advocates. Mm-hmm. So, and we're um, all about so, reducing it because it's a barrier to treatment. It's also a barrier to acceptance, um, which is kind of key if you think about it. To pretty much everything, being able to get a job, get the right kind of housing, um, social acceptance. Um, So somehow we haven't, you know, bridged that gap yet. And it's been decades now that we've been working on this. You know, so I guess we have to come up with some other solutions, but I think it all starts with the people who are dealing with the issues themselves. And a lot of them do do it, but I don't think enough of them do it. And I don't know how we motivate them, motivate more of them to speak up. Because well, I think that I think sometimes, you know, like now you see some celebrities that are more forthcoming. Uh-huh. Um, and I'm not talking about out there celebrities. I'm talking about um, respected, talented people that happen to have a mental illness, uh-huh. that seek treatment. And, um, you know, I'm hoping that that's going to give it a, a bit of a, a new face also. Um, you know, I think gains have been made in the autism community for mm-hmm. acceptance of neurodiversity. I really don't see it making the shift yet with yeah. mental illness. I don't think so either. And I and I know part of this is tied to media coverage of primarily the very infinitesimally small number of people who have been violent, um, and it's really such a small amount of people, um, and it's not because of their mental illness that they're violent. It's usually because of another factor in their life, um, like substance abuse or a childhood abuse or a physical abuse or a substance abuse. I mean, it's normally not because of their mental illness, and for some reason... I think until we can somehow break that connection, part of us is just not going to change. Right, and I think part of it is because um, so often the treatments don't work, the medications don't work, um, mm-hmm. oh, whether yeah. they're not compliant, or, you know, they, they just really haven't found the magic bullets for anybody yet, honestly. Um, no, and I think I, self-medication is a problem. Yes. Well, I mean, obviously, I don't think medication alone is the answer anyway. Right. I mean, I really right. think 
you have to have a whole type of treatment plan. And too often that is really kind of ignored because they do the what I call the quick route, which is not necessarily the most effective route. And in the long term, I don't think it's even the least costly route. Um, so um, by shortcutting things, um, people are, you know, cycling in and out of the system um, you know, which is not beneficial to them, and it's not beneficial overall to everybody else. Right. And, you know, I think, like you said, was just so important that it needs to be repeated. Medications alone don't work. No. I think for many, therapy alone doesn't work. It usually it's something that needs to work in harmony. But, you know, it's not like you're going to um, give your child a medication and things are just going to go away. I mean, this is a no. lifelong illness, no. and there's many relapses and regressions. Mm-hmm. And really the key is to teach calming and coping skills when yep. they get into these states. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, getting back to what I was just saying, the self-medication is a huge problem. Yeah, um, it actually affects up to 50% of people, yeah. And a lot of the teens are very frustrated because, mm-hmm. you know, they're going to these doctors, they're having, you know, constant medication changes, they're still not feeling right, and they wind up taking street drugs that, you know, very short term they think makes them feel better, but mm-hmm. they wind up with a dual diagnosis. That's right. And, and that's also that another thing that very difficult. That the system does not deal well with. It tends to treat one or the other, but not both simultaneously. And because they're not both treated at the same time, a person usually is, you know, going in and out of treatment for one or the other, you know, literally one after the other. (laughs) So it's not effective to do that. If I can interrupt, why is that? Uh, Part of it is because, believe it or not, the funding is in two separate pots of money and never the two shall meet Um, because a lot of it... Uh, you know, substance abuse usually comes under the Department of Public Health, um, and mental health comes under the Department of Mental Health in most states. And also usually, you know, the funding coming from, I want to say, government, you know, federal government resources comes through different channels for each program. They don't somehow make the connection that the prevalence between the two is so common that the two of them should be treated at the same time. Now, there are programs out there that do it, but Mm -hmm. they are few and far between. And expensive. Yes. Well, because they're private for the most part. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, this should be And it really is ridiculous because, you said 50%. I I would have thought it would have been much higher. Well, this is an estimate. Yeah, it's an estimate because it's not well-tracked. Because, like right. I said, because it's people are not going through the system in one spot. They're going it in two. And depending on whether they consider you a primary diagnosis or a secondary diagnosis is what you get included in that, by the way. <laughs> because right. they don't consider it being both. <laughs> right. It's just, you know, you just scratch your head because it's just so obvious and so, um, you know, right in front of you. And I I just, I don't understand it because I see the teens in this um, mental health um, with mental illness. I mean, they are just, you know, they're drowning. And the parents don't know where to to get help. And I know that um, this isn't a topic that um, you're very familiar with, but I just wanted to put it out there to our listeners because a lot of them do have children with mental Mm -hmm. illness, that um, there will come a point that there will be a... a, um, 
the teen will turn 18 or whatever the age is in your state, and it's called the age of majority. Mm-hmm. And the age of majority is when um, basically you are not entitled, you are not privy to their medical information. You cannot make decisions for them. If they have to be hospitalized under HIPAA law, you are not allowed to get any information. So just quickly, I just want to say, if you have a teen with a severe mental illness, speak to somebody, um, an attorney, or speak to somebody um, that you trust that you would be able to advise you about getting a health care proxy or something in writing so that, God forbid, um, your 18-year-old um, has an episode and needs to be hospitalized, you would legally be allowed to help in the treatment decisions. But um, but I just want to add one thing, because a health care proxy can be revoked at any time. So I think that's true. the basis for the health care proxy is developing a trust with your loved one to mm-hmm. that they understand that you would not do anything to harm them that you will always involve them in you know as an advocate for their um own treatment and then their decisions but that you know um you know in the discussions and in the meetings um but that you know you hope that they will also listen to what you have to offer because of your perspective about them too and so that's why I mean, it's sometimes definitely, it's, it's it's a conversation that absolutely yeah. needs to be had. But you know, as you know, when they are go into you know a manic phase or a psychotic stage, you know you don't know what they're going to do. And a power of attorney is something also that's uh, you know possible to have done too. Um, you know, you have a helpline. Yes. So um, it's the NAMI Nami does too. NAMI.org has one too. So now, say a parent just. Is that a number that a parent could call if they're in an emergency situation? Um, I don't recommend it if you're in a crisis. If you're just looking for helpful information or trying to locate something, trying to find your local NAMI or whatever, I would use that number because the national one has very limited hours. Um, It's like 11 to 4 during the day. Um, Most states, and this is something that people should learn, have some sort of a like a two one one. Most states have a two one one, which is an emergency information line, and you can find out if your state has a um, like an emergency services program, like we do in Massachusetts, which is for psychiatric and substance abuse services. So you have that option instead of having to dial nine one one. In some states, they have what they call crisis intervention services. Uh, or crisis teams. So it's really important to find out who those are. And a lot of times, if you dial 211 in your state, you can find out who those are. If, right. Obviously, you know, if it's after hours for NAMI. You know, and it's it's so important because parents um, need to be so proactive. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's it's you know, I know for a lot of parents, they have they still have the stigma that's blocking them. Yeah. Um, but you know, if you have a child that rages, that gets violent, um, that could self harm, you know, mm-hmm. it's important that your uh, the authorities know that so that they yeah. know if they see your child on the street that your mm-hmm. child is ill. Mm-hmm. Um, that when they come to your house, that they'll approach the child differently. Um, yep. You know, I always recommend also that um, if you feel your child's going to have to go to the hospital and you want them to go to one place rather than maybe the place that's the closest to you, which may not be the best place, so, you know, have that phone number of the private ambulance company. That's um, right. You know, yes, because a lot just, of towns, 
um, contract with certain hospitals, and you don't have a choice where they get taken. You don't have a choice. And That's it's right. It's not easy once they're in there to get them transferred to a place of quality that you would Correct. want them to go to. Right. Um, now I just lost my train of thought. Oh, I wanted to talk to you about um, not only teen suicide, mm-hmm. but child suicide and self-harm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because I don't think that there is a parent out there with a child with mental illness that this isn't the biggest fear. So um, if you could, just go over some of the warning signs. Um, the age, you know, the earliest of ages that you've seen it and what parents need to do. Uh, see, now you caught me off guard because I wasn't prepared for this conversation. Okay. <laughs> Um, truthfully, I've heard it is as young as like five years old, um, right. but uh, it's generally not that similar, not that different from, um, I would say, uh, a lot of times it involves either, uh, I would say, there's either a family history involved, a suicide. Right. There could be either the signs of a mental illness that's involved, which is involved 90% of the time in most suicides. Um, There's either a significant uh, event that has happened, like a loss of a parent, a loss of a loved one. Um, There could also be um, talking or writing about death and dying. There could be expressions of hopelessness or feeling trapped. There could be rage and uncontrolled anger, which is, um, or even uh, especially when this comes to, for some reason, boys and young men. Um, It it tends to be more with them, but it still can be with girls and young women, too. Um, There's also more of a risk when there's increased substance abuse. And if you see any um, significant changes in someone's personality, if someone was a vibrant, uh, outgoing uh, personality and all of a sudden they seem to be withdrawn, quiet, um, aren't associating with the same group of friends or aren't associating with anyone that you can tell. Those, that's a very significant warning sign that something is up and you need to um, find out more information, talk to the child, uh, talk to a professional. Um, if you well, see that's, signs that's... of an eating disorder, meaning a child starts to stop eating or starts to eat too much, um, and then it suddenly disappears from the table to use the bathroom or something. Um, self-harming in and of itself isn't indicative of it, but if it's um, along with any of those other uh, signs, it could also be a sign that the person is, the individual, the young person is under uh, either a significant amount of um, stress or they're harboring a significant amount of um, anxiety that they uh, cannot express. Uh, And they need help. Yeah, they need help. And, you know, I think that um, parents sometimes are taken off guard. I mean, you know, a lot of us have had children that were very, very early onset, Mm -hmm. three, four years old. Mm -hmm. Um, For others, it really starts to rear its head during puberty. Mm -hmm. And I think it's very confusing. Yeah. whether this is normal teenage drama or whether there's a problem. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I always say, if this is going on for a few weeks, get it checked out. Mm -hmm. Uh, Because, you know, when these kids fall into these depressions, it is just just horrible. 
Oh, yes. And it was surprising to me. I always tell people, don't be afraid to talk about it because talking about it is much better than not talking about it because not talking about it means that that person is also not expressing things. Um, And, you know, if they can't talk to you, you try to find someone who they can talk to Um, because keeping it in is usually the worst thing that someone can do. Because they start to feel more and more hopeless and more and more despair. That's exactly what I was just going to say, that very, very young children, if you listen closely enough, um, you will hear them saying that you will hear that they're hopeless and you will Mm -hmm. hear that, you know, this is too hard. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, and also another symptom is a loss of interest in things that they normally enjoy doing. Yep. But, um, you know, your your foundation is, your organization is just incredible. And, you know, how is your organization funded? How can uh, parents help you? Um, well, NAMI overall is funded uh, mostly by corporate donations, individual donations. Um, all of our organizations have local walks. Um, which are funded by corporate sponsors and all the walkers and their donors. Um, we also, most of our organizations do our own annual appeals. Um, obviously, NAMI has also had uh, some programs underwritten by sponsors. Um, they do not accept uh, well any advertising on their site. Um, they do actually do accept sponsorships, but again, they always say that there's no endorsement involved. Um, in Massachusetts, um, there's always been an issue in NAMI because uh, a lot of programs started out with underwriting from pharmaceutical companies. Um, I believe the national organization's down below 50% now as far as funding for the education programs. In Massachusetts, we only have possibly 5% of our gross uh, comes from pharmaceutical sponsors for our walk and that type of thing. Well, NAMI is an incredible organization. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, oh, you won't get me saying anything different. <laughs> uh, I love it, them. It really is. It, is. it is the most respected and powerful mental illness organization in the country. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, really, if you're listening and if you can, in, you know, get involved in the walks, donate, and, um, you know, keep this thing going because this is the lifeline for um, people with mental illness. Uh, Chrissy, I want to thank you very much. We have one minute left. I want to thank you for joining me. Okay. Um, can I just add just, one thing since we sure. talked about child and teen suicide? Because there mm-hmm. is something that NAMI has started, and that's a Strength of Us online community that's designed for young people, and it's a user-generated and user-driven community where they can build connections um, with other young adults uh, with their own peer support. It's a moderated play, uh, online community, um, but just so people know that that's out there um, for their young, you know, uh, adults and uh, children. Um, so it's, a, you know, a safe, moderated community. Right. Yeah, I mean, and that's key because um, these kids have to feel they have somewhere to go. Yes. Um, so, you know, I, again, I thank you for what you do. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, NAMI, what can you say? It's NAMI. And um, <laughs> I want to thank you, really, you know. Thank you. Yeah, well, thank you for the opportunity to talk about it because I just love, 
I love the organization, and I really believe in it. And any chance I get to talk about it, I love it. Well, and I also want to thank you for, um, you know, you've just been incredible to the Coffee Clatch, and I personally appreciate it. Oh, so, you're um, welcome. Uh, I appreciate you guys, too. You do wonderful things. <laughs> thank you. Um, okay, so that is the end of the show. Again, um, support your local NAMI organization. Um, and um, I want to make a, a small announcement. On Sunday, we have an additional guest coming on. I think that just about everybody has seen on TV or read about um, a little girl named Anne who was taken away. Um, she has severe autism, who was taken away from her father in Canada. Um, she wandered off. Um, the father called the police, and when the police came, um, they felt that the, fa- the father was um, not capable of taking care of the child, and the child has been removed from the father. It has invoked international outrage. And um, Derek um, Van Dyke, who is the father, is um, going to be joining us. He is going to give us the interview and discuss what's happened. So that will be Sunday night at 8 o'clock. As we end each show, you are your child's best advocate. If not you, then who? Become an informed, educated parent. Thank you, May. Have a good night, Chuck. And thank you again, Cindy. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.